All right, old Bean, you want to get this going? <laughs> old chum, old chap. Yeah, let's chum it up. Chum it up. Let's chum those waters. Hey, old chums, it's Think Outside the Box Set, the internet's only hot take machine, and I'm Nathan Hunt. And I'm your I'm your number one chum, Cameron DeWitt. <laughs> we, this is season 22, 22. episode 2. We are discussing Grace Jones's fame, and also and her we're album. discussing her album, ha. Fame. <laughs> what a great joke! What a great way to get started. We're having fun already. We're having fun already. We're so good at this. <laughs> she came out with Portfolio. I don't know if we ever said that that was the name of her first album in the last episode. Did we, we not may have mention it? Past that. We may have just not mentioned it. That's funny. Hey, real real quick though, we got to do a follow up. Oh, yeah? I keep forgetting to mention this every single time. Great. But I'm pretty sure Britney, free, Britney Spears got freed like, a, oh, yeah. like a, a month ago or so. She did. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. She, we freed Britney. We did it. Mission <laughs> did accomplished, it. Banner. We were the, <laughs> the You straw. and I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was our discussion of her that I think really changed the cultural conversation and uh, yeah. Yeah, changed that judge's mind. It's sometimes it's worrisome how much power we have. Like <laughs> With great power it, right? comes great responsibility. <laughs> but we've been using it for good, I think. Yeah, we free Brittany. Brittany, you're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm assuming Brittany listens. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, that's like fucking great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's been doing a few like any... spicy things on social media. I hear since uh, being it's great released what was the one I so saw is recently? everyone else that isn't in a conservatorship yeah post those thirst traps Brittany, you can do what you want Brittany tweets i'm trying to figure out like what her i saw something recently that was like she was oh she's sli- diane sawyer she went off on diane sawyer for the interview from 2003 um, great yeah gloves it, are on off what do people say <laughs> Gloves, gloves are on and off. <laughs> the gloves are on because it's time to fight. Boxing right? gloves are That's... on. Yeah, but the kid gloves are off. Yeah. We're going to box at the kids' table. <laughs> box at the kids' table. Um, yeah, so, like, yeah, she, I mean, we'll, we'll, put a, we'll put a link in the show notes, but uh, she, like, tweeted um, some stuff, including about Diane Sawyer. She can kiss my white ass. Um, Great. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic uh well yeah we we covered her a while ago like i don't know however many ago uh but um i don't know if we have any other updates that we need to follow up on we can jump into grace jones what a weird it just kept organically not coming up (laughs) yeah it's true um yeah so it's another disco album it's another uh it's another short you know, 40 minute album with, uh, what? Seven tracks. Yeah. Yeah. With the first side being a disco medley. Mm-hmm. Although in this one, I would say that, uh, I, I like the first three a lot more. I feel like it's actually front loaded mm-hmm. with kind of new stuff. And I wasn't crazy about the B sides. Yeah. It helps that they're not show tunes. It helps that they're like actual yeah. disco songs. Yeah, absolutely. Which seemed to have I been written she, for her, or at least yeah. But d- does she have any writing credits on any of these? Mm, Maybe on the very last song, she's listed on the fr- oh as below the, first credit. the belt. Yeah, kind uh, of the strange. I mean, it's kind of the strangest one. It's a bit strange. Yeah, <laughs> I liked her uh, original song from the last album pretty well. Oh yeah, uh, I mean she she co-wrote the whole. I mean after Levy and Rose. She she covered all those, mm-hmm. uh, but I agree the the I need a man or whatever is mm-hmm. uh, is great. Uh, yeah, so this this one's more yeah, it's just actual disco in writing as well as in instrumentation. And whoever's playing the bass and the bongos needs a if they didn't get a fucking Grammy for this, 
then what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we even doing here? Jimmy As Williams on bass, Larry Washington on congas and percussion. Yeah, just the percu- the percussion is just, like that double time, like, I don't know if it's conga or bongos, um, but that double time disco hand percussion sound is electric. Mm-hmm. And what it's combined with the bass playing. Sometimes it sounded like it was like some fretless, like flat wound bass playing. Sometimes it was like kind of like some slap solo kind of sound stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was great. This is the kind of thing where in the first album, when it would break to instrumental, have long sections where there was no singing, where it's like time to dance, um, there was nothing happening. <laughs> it was just going through the melody and the chord progression. Mm-hmm. Uh like as if people were reading a lead sheet there were no breakdowns and right. no like uh exciting moments mm-hmm. but in this in this album uh there are and they're great at least in the first half i like exciting moments yeah it was exciting and it was good because it was exciting mm-hmm. uh yeah so yeah i only really wrote notes on the on on the a sides for this one uh i wrote one note for the fourth track which says gotta do a french language fourth track <laughs> gotta do french i wonder yeah <laughs> let's see did, did she like study french did she like is she one of those like people who studied abroad and then like that's their personality for many years to come yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> um but I guess, is autumn I guess leaves was... even originally a french song uh yes or maybe it's i guess i was it's not the jazz standard is it is a popular song in jazz standard composed by Joseph Cosma in 1945 with original lyrics by Jacques Prévert in French, original French title Les Fouilles Mortes, and later by Johnny Mercer yeah. in English. It It's just so not jazz in this version that I was like, is this even the same mm. tune? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, do uh, do we have any more back background about Grace Jones or about this album? I, I, I didn't know. realize that she moved to New York, I think, before... I think to like Syracuse or something before she actually started her modeling career. Oh yeah. 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 So I think a lot of this stuff is actually happening in the U S and not in Jamaica. Yeah. Let's see. When she was 13, they moved to the U S her family. And yeah. Her. Um, yeah. And then she went to a community college majoring in Spanish. Interesting. And then she went on a summer stock tour in Philadelphia she lived in hippie communes, earning money as a go-go dancer, oh. using LSD and other drugs. Hmm. Okay. She moved back to New York at 18 and signed on as a model with Wilhelmina Modeling Agency. She moved to Paris in 1970. Hmm. And then, let's see. I guess in the mid to late uh, 70s. And the, I guess the first album was 77, huh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And this is the next year, 78. So this is... A lot uh, of life before this, the, this season of Think Outside the Box that starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, there isn't much about it on Wikipedia, although the, um, the, the, the sentence on Wikipedia is in the paragraph about this album. Jones's live shows were highly sexualized and flamboyant, leading her to be called Queen of the Gay Discos. Okay. Yeah. It's um, interesting. When, yeah, they're sexualized. I'm always interested about the gay male gays for women because it's a thing. You're repeating yourself there. Did the gays? Did I? <laughs> the gays, males, gays. <laughs> the gays, males, gazes. Ah, gazes. I get it. Um, yeah, uh, I don't necessarily. I'm not. I'm not gay, and I didn't like. I don't. I'm not. I don't have that binary kind of experience that that I know some of my gay friends to have, and is popular in, in popular culture of just like you know, idolizing um, certain female pop stars mm-hmm. in this sort of, like, I want to be you kind of way. Right. Um, and s- s- kind of projecting their one's own sexuality onto, uh, I, I guess, a, a onto feminine power, specifically. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think yeah. is really interesting. And it's like, when, this, when it says they're highly sexualized, but it's for like gay disco music, is that what's happening here? Is that what people are talking about? Who knows? It's Wikipedia. <laughs> like, yeah. we needed some better articles. <laughs> Although there is a citation on there. Um, maybe okay. I should just follow that and see where it goes. That is how Wikipedia works. <laughs> that is biography and history on all music. 
I'm search for queen. Uh, I mean, it's basically the same sentence. Jones scored several Billboard Club hits and amassed a substantial following with her sexually charged live show, which led her to the title of, quote, Queen of the Gay Discos. Okay. Does not add much. Sexually charged. I want details. <laughs> gotta, gotta have details. Who is being sexualized? Who is, who is sexually charging? Who? I'm doing an image search for Grace Jones Disco Show. Yeah. Like, not a lot like, here. Also, when I hear people talk about sexual energy or something being sexually charged, like in the 70s, I'm like, is it? <laughs> like, It depends. I mean, the 70s were pretty out there. Um, yeah, but like... In some ways. I don't... And at some but points. like, I don't know, like in comparison to like last year, you know, when like WAP and mm-hmm. uh, Call Me By Your Name and Montero, you know, Montero came out, which is just like explicit pornographic lyrics probably would have like gotten uh like um band what's the um howl it probably would have gotten <laughs> howled howled like in the courts alan ginsburg yeah you know like when ginsburg oh, went to court that is what you were referring to i thought i was making a joke but i was just no that's up what i'm referring reference. to yeah gotcha because like on obscenity charges or whatever yeah uh, they made that really shitty movie about it Oh, I heard it was bad. I never saw it. Oh, it was so bad. Um, did all did the it scenes have with, uh, James Franco in it? It seemed like it had a stink on it. He was great. Oh, really? I think that he's a really charismatic... He can be really charismatic if used right, and he's not just, like, cashing a check. Mm-hmm. Um, at least on screen. Apparently, he's one of the worst people in the world. Oh yeah. <laughs> or one he's of the most awful. like distasteful people in the world or abusive, um, off camera, mm-hmm. but he was great in that movie. Anyway, the, the only definitive, anything I can find about how sexualized her shows in the disco shows in the seventies were is, uh, some photos on Google image search of her with completely shaved head and bare breasts. So, okay. I don't know. That that would be daring even for today. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. To have bare breasts. Yeah. Free the nipple. I'm also in, I'm also Free interested in like, yeah, the sexual charge. Like who who is saying that and from what perspective and who is the sexuality for and right. how is that all working out? I'm is, really Is it Yeah, is 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 the what's the locus of desire? Like is it the about of desire. her and how sexy she is and how desirable she is? In the same way that, like, um, I guess WAP, like, is about, like, these women's, like, sexuality and we are meant to be desiring her? Or is it about a sexual being who is expressing desire for someone else? Potentially, like, a man in a way that can sort of uh, lend identification to a gay male audience. That that question is still unanswered. That's funny that you say, like, put WAP in those terms, though, because... WAP is play is doing both. Mm. Yeah, as I was saying it, I was like, it's probably not a great fit, but it is the thing you said earlier, and I was trying to tie it together with a neat little bow, and it didn't work. Well, in the you know in the in the chorus, they're like you know they're talking about their wet ass pussies, uh, but in in a lot of the content of the verses, it's about desiring men, and um, mm-hmm. you know, at one point she's like, <laughs> what did she say? She's like, I want you to hit that little dangly thing from the back of my throat she's like <laughs> dis- prosaically like describing a uvula as if she doesn't know the word for uvula um in the rap and it like is really funny and, <laughs> and totally lands uh but like i guess what i'm saying is in that moment um she's it feels like she's talking about like wanting dick and mm-hmm. that's what it's about not about um being an object of desire um so yeah, I mean, I would be curious to know what uh, gay men think about that song. Me too. If, the, if they feel like it, uh, like it's uh, it's enticing to them as a sort of uh, point of identification or something. This is interesting. Like you know, us talking about Grace Jones because she came so much b- before oh these other pop star women that we've covered on the show um, who are. Yeah, sort of avatars for gay sexuality and identity. Mm-hmm. Um, like Taylor Taylor Swift, 
definitely is that. Uh, Britney Spears definitely is that. And they've both eventually realized that and embraced it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about doing Lady Gaga, um, which I think we should eventually do. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, because talk about, uh, you know, public image versus the actual craft. Right. Uh, that's I've, a conversation I want to have. And yeah something i want to dive into um but yeah grace jones is like doing that like directly uh like 50 years <laughs> before yeah. any of these any of these people she's a trailblazer so, yeah yeah i mean this is this is like pre-janet jackson um yeah. like are there many examples of like sexualization in pop you like ex- i guess female sexual sexual uh expression in pop music before this I can't oh, think um, of a ton. I mean, there's Madonna, like the, well, Madonna would be after, I guess. After, yeah. Um, there's like the relatively chaste things of like, you know, Mr. Postman or like those kinds of like girl group songs um, or similarly, like, I guess some of the, like the, ten, the um, uh, shit. What's the um, Diana Ross and her, mm. band, what were they called? Supreme. Yeah, the Supreme. Is that is that what they are? Yeah, they're they're all the these Supremes. superlatives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I was thinking of the um, the Temptations, but I was like, no, no, that's the, the that's the dudes. Um, yeah, those are the fellas. Yeah, that's the fellas. Um, yeah, so she's like, I, but it doesn't sound like. I mean, to this point, she hasn't achieved much mainstream success. It's not like she's out on yeah a uh, like uh, like stadium stage performing yeah. like sexualized music or anything yeah huh well should we should we jump into songs is there anything yeah. else i felt like we should like we needed to talk a little bit about what we're doing here before we talk about the song do or die yeah i don't know if i'm gonna have a ton to say about some of these songs so yeah, yeah me neither. let's get into do or die but all you ever tell me is no I don't like that she's There's... forcing me to make a choice. What if I want to do and die? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I don't want to be passive. Uh, I also don't want to live. <laughs> uh, Life is a never-ending torture. <laughs> There's something about that chorus, and I'm calling the end of that sound sample the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on, but something about the phrasing made it feel very like enjammed almost mm. like when the chorus starts, isn't quite when I thought it would mm-hmm. like, there's something happening on a phrase length. Uh, should we define our terms? What enjambment is? You should. Okay. <laughs> I'm just talking out of my ass. Yeah. It's... Define my terms, please. <laughs> <laughs> I would love nothing less. Um, enjambment is, is just when, a phrase uh, syntactically continues past, or sorry, semantically continues past the end of a line. Um, so let's see, what's a good example of that? Is there any off the top of my head? Um, I mean, it shows up in poetry a lot. Like it's it's one of the main devices left after the move to free verse, or not free verse, but uh, free free poetry. I forgot what it's called. Because free verse is yeah, maybe, maybe I'm actually talking about some sort of form of musical enjambment. Then maybe I'm kind of playing fast and loose with this term. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's an example here in the chorus. No matter how you try, you'll never change my mind. I mean, that is mm. a you know not very um, not very uh, explicit or like that doesn't do a ton for for the meaning of what's going on. Um, but it does have that little pause in there. No matter how you try, you'll never change my mind. There is that pause. And what, typically when we talk about enjambment, it's because we're talking to an enjambment that draws attention to itself that will um, have some sort of double meaning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, maybe I was trying to draw some sort of um, musical kind of metaphor there, but I, I don't know if I have anything to say there. All I, I think the phrase, the phrasing is interesting. Um, where the starts of phrase land 
in the structure of the chorus there are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you make me run, 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 say you're having none. You make me run, 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 chase me with a gun? That's a bit of an odd line, wouldn't you say? It's really weird. <laughs> Why is this in here? I'll <laughs> never give up. Because this song, this song is about... Um, it's about not taking no for an answer. <laughs> no for an answer from a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it about... opens with the lines, I've been called an operator. I can sell an Eskimo snow. Baby, you're a captivator, but all you ever tell me is no. Yeah, she's... So, it chased me with a gun. I it's She's the one who's doing the chasing, and she's saying, like, if you want me to stop harassing you, <laughs> you're going to need to chase me with a gun. <laughs> Yeah. Joke's uh, on you. I'm into that. <laughs> um, I'm into that shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is... I don't know. I mean, I think it's supposed to be hyperbole. Um, Tauruses are more determined. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to stand in their way. Loving you is my ambition. I was born on the 19th of May. Maybe this... Something maybe we should keep track of is, like, gay pandering. Like, there's mm-hmm. some star sign stuff mm-hmm. happening right here. Mm-hmm. It's also in the 70s, so maybe... <laughs> This is not just relegated to being gay, mm-hmm. <laughs> caring about this kind of thing. Um, True. But, uh, yeah, th- yeah, this song is just about, um, you know, how it's not harassment if it's from a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Best read on it, I would say, is that it is uh, hyper- hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. And that it's it, I would and, hope and so. that if anything, it's 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 about um, a a woman uh, naming her desires. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, uh, it's yeah, yeah, metaphor or exaggerated or something because it it sounds yeah, it sounds a little bit um, harassy. Yeah, although we we should say maybe there's some like ABBA style stuff going on here. Um, Grace Jones did not write this song, according to Genius Lyrics, and I believe according mm, to the Wikipedia page. That's true. It's written by Jack Robinson and David Christie. Maybe this is the way that they want women to treat them, or the way that they... Maybe this is just something that sounds... It's like, yeah, this will be an attractive idea to men. It's just like um, women uh, being the pursuers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Men like to get chased with a gun, I think. Right? <laughs> Is that right, men? Yeah. Stand Speak up if you don't. In love. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> right, I hope we come up with a better episode title. Than that. I don't like that, but Ooh, I'll put it's it up. not great. <laughs> well, a little personal challenge. Yes. We'll see if we can do better than that. Uh, I have some more sound samples. Um, I wrote down here cool instrumental hook. I believe this is just the. In- one of these instrumental moments that doesn't feel like it's just sort of treading water until the vocals start again, but in this album it's like actually well thought out and some nice instrumental moments, so you mm-hmm. want to play that? Yeah. Yeah, the mm-hmm. little horns. It's just a really simple melody. Do, bo, do, 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 boom, boom, do. Just like a a simple catchy hook that kind mm-hmm. of stuff wasn't in the last album and it makes a big difference yeah um similarly there's this moment this actually happens a few times throughout the album but where there are some background vocals and, that are uh in unison with another instrument and in this one it's strings um do you want to play the bgvs and strings sound sample yeah. i thought this was just a great moment that isn't repeated it's just a mm-hmm. lone moment on the album that's pretty interesting Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a great little moment. <laughs> That's good writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the do 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 the slide, mm-hmm. multiple voices doing the same thing, but in perfect unison. Mm-hmm. It's it's very um, non melodic because it's jumping between octaves mm-hmm. and fifths and stuff. Uh, but it's it's pretty arresting. Um, and I think that's something that dance music needs because it needs these moments that 
sort of tear you out of this like oh I'm just in a groove and but they keep the groove mm-hmm. but they like recontextualize it with a different amount of density in the arrangement because the pulse is still there and it's still like going mm-hmm. but it just cuts down to percussion and string and voice so yeah I think uh, I think yeah I just think the arranging and writing is smarter here um, and then I have a bongo or maybe conga and slap bass moment mm-hmm. we'll play that yeah That rules. It's um, so great. It's also like pretty early on for uh, for a slap bass. Because um, he, he it sounds like slap, right? Yeah, it does. Um, There's not a lot of popping, right? It sounds like mostly. So, I mean, maybe you're you're a bassist, well, and you've been a bassist in bands. <laughs> maybe you could describe uh, slapping and and popping and those techniques and how they sound. Sure. Yeah, um, so slapping is when you take your thumb, typically, and you smack it against the strings, um, either, like, on the fretboard or above it. Um, no, that's smacking. Smacking. You just kind of, like, yeah. You, that's smack bass. Smack bass. We're oh, talking sorry, about you slapping. slap it. You slap your thumb against the string. Um, and typically, you slap on the lower strings, and then you pop on the upper strings, which is... A, a related technique that sort of lends itself because um, you go down, you slap down with your thumb, and then your fingers are in a good position to pull directly upwards on the string. So typically, like when you're playing a bass with a finger or a pick, the motion is um, how to describe this in three dimensions. Okay, so imagine a bass guitar strapped on someone's chest or gut or what have you. The, the pick or, uh, the, or at the knees if you're, you know, new metal. Yeah, or flea. <laughs> if you're a corn ass <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or down at your ankles or wherever. Yeah. Um, so, t- you know, typically the, the, uh, the pick or the fingers would go up and down relative to the player. So, like up towards their head, down towards their feet. Um, slapping and popping. Slapping goes directly towards their torso because you're slapping right against the strings. And then popping pulls away from their like uh torso direction so you sort of like pull the string off of the bass and let it slap back down onto the bass um and i just used the word slap in a very confusing way because i was using it for the other thing okay yeah <laughs> but both it techniques smacks. it smacks back both, down against the bass both techniques make the string rattle um against the fretboard right in a way that you wouldn't typically get from playing with a pick or playing with a traditional two finger uh, alternating kind right. of technique. Um, and that's the percussive aspect of slap bass playing. Yeah. it. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's pull up the highest rated or the most watched, uh, YouTube video for slap bass. Oh no. <laughs> what are we going to listen to? It's called teaching my girlfriend how to slap bass. I don't want to watch that. That sounds, this sounds like a awful bad viewpoint. <laughs> this is porn. Uh, probably here's crazy fast slap bass solo. Oh this sounds terrible. This is going to be bad. You should never have done this. This is yep, a mistake. It's true. I regret it already. <laughs> is this MIDI? It sounds like it. He's just got a bad tone, I think. Wow. Well, that was disappointing, predictably. How about 10 greatest slap bass lines of all time throughout <laughs> history? <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Scott Devine here for Scott's... All right, let's <laughs> skip forward, blah, blah, blah. Graham Central Station. Well, you can Scott's hear how Larry's lessons? style it is, developed yeah. from where guy? it was okay, he's you good, know, he's only good. a few years okay. ago. This is like 1974, this one. You know, the... On this, well, just let him do his thing. Check this out. Yeah, here we go. So good, right? Now I believe that's Larry Graham himself who invented the technique. Oh yeah, there's like a viral video that kind of makes its rounds every once in a while of him describing his technique. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like people were doing a, 
a sim because they're slapping the upright bass. Yes, which is different, mm-hmm. but has some kind of similar percussive elements. You know, but the instrument's totally different, other than its tuning. Um, but yeah, uh, it's used a lot maybe, in like country and bluegrass, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, totally. I, I feel like it's been around longer. Like the concept of percussively playing on a, on some sort of upright bass or on an electric bass has been around longer, but maybe you kind of coined it. Pop- yeah, it's big time rockabilly. You got to stand the on the bass and slap it. <laughs> yeah, here's the hillbilly slap video. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm just doing this because I don't have a ton to say. Uh, finds its way into Why so many does different everything places. start with a ton of garbage? It goes on the single slap and double. Just show me how to see on YouTube. There it is. So related, also very percussive, but different, and like mechanically yeah. different, and produces a different sound. Um, and that's, but it, it it's also similar somewhat because you're you're using like basically your entire hand to smack the strings directly against the fingerboard. Um, right. You don't need that fix. much for an electric bass. Right. If you did that on an electric bass, it would sound like garbage. It would be terrible. Yeah, it'd be very overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> you have a little more precision. It's a very powerful instrument. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I, all that is to say, slap I think that bass. sound sample is all slaps. It sounds to me like it's all thumbs and no pops. Maybe mm-hmm. we should listen to it one more time after all that talk. Mm-hmm. Those might have been a few pops. Those were pops. Those were yeah. pops. Those were pops. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They're you're not right. as you're like. Right. They're not as like quite as sh- like trebly and like um, they don't have quite as much attack as oftentimes pops do. But I think they're pops. I think the whatever tone is on this amp is is a really interesting choice. It sounds mm-hmm. very um, sort of cheap and it's very mid, sort of like a shallow town. Yeah, there's not. Uh, a I ton like it. Of, I like it. There's not a ton of low bass to it, but it also doesn't have like a lot of high end either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of high uh, mids. Oh, I have. I have one more sound sample and it's just the transition between the first and second track because it, it goes right into it. Um, but I think there's some like interesting, uh, kind of harmonic contrivances happening here Mm -hmm. (laughs) in order to flow into the next song. I love that like Barry White kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very distinct sounds between those two tracks, and there's definitely a moment where like, oh yeah, the second track has started mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Uh, Pride, Pride. It's not just for lions anymore. Here we go. I hold my head up high for all to see. I think her voice uh, sounds great in this album. It's an improvement for sure, and and I think and I think it really matches these songs. I, I'm wondering if there were some conversations about what her keys are. Mm. If there is also some improvement in her in her skill and technique, um, the kinds of yeah, I don't know. It sounds better. It sounds like she knows what she's doing, and the producers and writers know what they're doing. And uh, yeah. Uh, it's 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 almost like musical theater like her tone kind of in in the way that it's like it's not these like long held out um it's it's almost like prosaic in its approach it's just like it's about enunciating the words and and getting the the words across and it's about the rhythm mm-hmm. but they're you know musical like theater or like showpiece voice you know, uh, showpieces for the voice. They have very few spots where you can actually breathe. Um, they're all, it's all about like the line. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that goes that that crosses the bar line um and uh there's none of that this in here like she has like tons of time to like collect herself catch her breath belt a few words and then mm-hmm. breathe again uh so i i think so far this this fits her really nicely and she's doing a great job and i think her performance is interesting mm-hmm. it's actually making making a meal out of her interesting voice yum because yeah which isn't um I, I wouldn't say her voice is like conventionally beautiful Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're figuring out how to use the character of her voice, at least at how it is at this point, to make compelling music. So mm-hmm. so this is a song about swallowing one's pride in order to ask... Gulp. Gulp. Uh, make a meal of one's pride uh, to ask someone to unbreak up with you, uh, basically. <laughs> Uh, pride. A lot of good it does alone at night. Pride, it doesn't matter now who's wrong or right. I hold my head up high for all to see. I'm not fooling anyone but me. That, for some reason, that sounds like an ABBA lyric to me. I hold my head up high for all to see. I'm not fooling anyone but me. I don't know why that makes me think of ABBA. Yeah, I mean, it's another just, like, cu- couple dudes writing for women <laughs> to debase themselves <laughs> and say, I'm a fool. <laughs> <laughs> it was all my fault. Yeah, I, the woman. Ah, fucked up. I am the problem. <laughs> Which again, like I think it is, it is. I like I like these. When I think about like why the women in ABBA or Grace Jones like would like want to sing a song like this, it's like it's a great character piece. Yeah. You're getting like depth, you know, and you're getting mm-hmm. to like um, play some different. It's cool the idea that like a woman a woman gets to be vulnerable and gets to play the fool, and mm-hmm. um, because that that's been the realm of of of. Um, the male voice mm-hmm. in popular music for so long. It's just yeah. like, ah, I fucked up. I lost my one true love, you know, mm-hmm. or um, couldn't get over my jealousy or uh, didn't, I wasn't um, vigilant enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's cool to hear this from a, wo- a woman singing it, even if it's written by men. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree. Just yeah, that it's... fact alone, I think is cool. And I, I don't, I think the optics are strange from where we're at now, but um, I understand why they would want to sing them. Yeah. They're great songs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's more substance to this song than a lot of pop songs, honestly. Pride, I had to have my way or not at all. Pride, I thought you would be the one to hold. So I'm asking you in all humility, would, would you please come back to me? Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of pop songs that are like, I want you back, but have that kind of theme, but it's interesting to to hear one talk about it explicitly in terms of like pride and humility. Um, yeah. And like insisting on one's own way in a relationship. Um, also I, speaking of gay pandering as something to keep an eye on, I wonder mm. how widespread the, the use of the word pride was at this moment. Apparently it was first oh, yeah. used in around 1969. Uh, okay. By Tom Higgins, a gay rights activist in Minnesota. Uh, and then I wonder what the first Pride March in New York City was. I mean, this song is anti-Pride. <laughs> <laughs> well. And it's con- in, in uh, lowercase p, Pride, at least. Mm-hmm. This is saying, like, Pride sucks. So mm-hmm. it's bad. there might be something there. But. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Stonewall spread. Oh, man, the Wikipedia Just for in this case you were wondering, article. I need you so. <laughs> doesn't matter now who's wrong or right the yeah there's some <laughs> kind of uh like john mayer style like baby come back to bed kind <laughs> of energy mm-hmm. we could fight in the morning <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, looks like the first pride march in new york city was 1970 <laughs> this is a cute detail the march took less than half the scheduled time due to excitement but also due Ooh. to worrying us about walking through the city with gay ban- banners and signs. Ah, shit. Yeah. That Two mean, sides that of the coin. Really exciting. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, the threat of getting hate crimed is exciting in some way, I guess. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so titillated. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess also just like thinking about how much do people pay attention to the words of any song, especially if they're dancing on a disco. Of course. And... If they just hear the word like pride, 
showcased the way it is in the song pride it's like is that part of is it pandering or is it just them actually talking about the mortal sin of pride and how sure you'll go to hell yeah i think uh, i think it's something interesting i i like the idea of um the pan like we have we haven't looked at the pander meter for a while we talked about this all true. the time with our first uh artist recording artist um Troil, otherwise mm-hmm. known as garth brooks mm-hmm. otherwise known as garf uh because we wanted to answer the question like you know he it seems like he's kind of the father of pop country music in a way and to what extent is he responsible for the pandering nature of um pandering to white supremacy and and to fascism and um to and also to like rural like shallow representations of rural culture rural cliches Um, yeah yeah and uh I think ultimately the answer that we came up with is um, he didn't really do any egregious pandering until he took a long break Mm -hmm. and then he came back and country music had completely changed and he made one of, and he made his worst album. Yeah. 20 was 2016 man against machine. Yeah. Which is where a little baby told God (laughs) it was the, yes, it was the worst thing to happen in 2016. I don't think anything else bad happened that year. I think it was all pretty good. Sunshine and Roses the rest of that year. Man, was Man Against Machine 2016? I thought that was Gunslinger. Oh, maybe think I'm thinking Man Against of Machine was t- 2012. Gunslinger was actually, if I remember right, it was fine to good. I think Gunslinger oh, had like Man Against B-double-E-double-R-U-N in it. Oh, yeah. Man Against Machine is 2014. Okay. That so, sounds more right. Sorry about that. Gunslinger yeah. was 2016 and does not have B double R double R U N. Okay. B double E double R U N. What? <laughs> what out? What album is that from? Scarecrow. 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 Um. Anyway, it'd be fun to bring back the pander meter, uh, for Grace Jones to be like, is in some way is this like a, uh. A, a prototype of the the female pop singer who becomes an avatar for the gay community, even though she's. I mean, I still haven't read anything about her being um, queer in her orientation at all. Um, but she is more it, at this point. It seems like she's more queer by association, um, right. and queer in her company. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't listened to the episode, but I don't. I don't know if you left any of it in. But post episode last week, we went through. Uh, we went through the Wikipedia famous bisexuals article. We went list. through the registry, <laughs> the registry, <laughs> which is a totally unproblematic notion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've actually found an article um, that excerpt from Slate. Uh, called the Grace Jones Theory of Gender and Sexuality, which is mostly just an excerpt from her memoirs, which is titled "I'll Never Write My Memoirs," which is a great title. Uh, I actually got it from the, li- Steal the this library. Book. What's that? Steal this book? Yeah, <laughs> I got it from the library, but I have not read it yet. It's uh, the, it looks like mostly the art. The excerpt is about her brother who is gay, the the gay brother, not the um, homophobic like minister brother. Is this like a, I just think they're neat (laughs) 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 kind of moment? Um, I don't think so. I mean, she does talk about how, uh, she is more masculine. Like he's sort of a feminine man and she's sort of a masculine woman. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't think if it specifically talks about, uh, her own sexuality or gender identity. Uh, I know you don't have a lot to talk about these songs, uh, but I, I have another music theory corner that we could talk about. Great, yeah. When, whenever you're ready to do that, for it's for Pride. Oh yes, go for it. So um, there's a neat uh, pa- parallel key change. Um, oh. So it's in um, two key changes C minor. that will never meet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, eventually. Einstein says, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> that uh, parallel keys will eventually meet." <laughs> he was uh, way into music theory. That guy. 
<laughs> Probably. He was some kind of a smart guy about it. He was a real uh, Plato, <laughs> what have you. Um, so it's in. Uh, I forget. I think. I think the verse and chorus are in. I don't remember. At one point, it's in C minor, and at another point, it's in C major. Oh. Um, and it does some interesting kind of harmonic acrobatics to get back and forth. Um, so maybe play that sound sample, and then I'll describe what's going on, and then we can listen to it again so that I could remember what's going on. <laughs> I think um, we're starting in the chorus. Oh, wait, which? Uh, oh, here it is, yeah. Okay, so it's actually hard to hear in this sound sample, but um, mm. uh, it's it's in in that little dun 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 in that little section. Mm-hmm. It's in C major there, um, or I guess you could say C mixolydian maybe. So it's oh. doing C major chords. I wish I could say that. Uh, I wish you could. <laughs> it's hard to pronounce. And then B, and then B flat major chords, uh, and then F major chords so it goes to one to flat set major flat seven to major four um in the key of c and then um and then at the start of the verse it starts on the flat seven chord but then it slowly transitions from there into c minor definitively mm-hmm. um so it has this very gradual uh shift back to the minor key but I don't think I actually got there in the sound sample, but ah, you can hear the beginning gotcha. of it. There's, I think, one um, little chromatic alteration to the chord as it like moves into the minor that you can hear at the very end. So mm-hmm. play it one more time. Okay. So the chorus is going to sound... Uh, it's. I think, if I remember right, the chorus is um, in the minor key, and it's sort of a surprise um, when it goes to the major in in this little hook. Okay, here we go. Then flat seven here. I had to have my way on It goes into that chromatic. Get rid of the fade out if that helps. Oh maybe. Yeah, just play play that last little little section there. We'll see if I can. We want to talk about what we're waiting for that moment to come up. <laughs> okay, oh, it's here's that flat Wait. seven chord here. I had to have my way yeah, I think it goes into a, a B minor there. Anyway, it works its way back around into C minor. Mm-hmm. Um, all that is to say, there's some interesting stuff going on here, um, energy flow wise, with the harmonic expectations. Um, some of the changes are really abrupt in a way that I think is fun and exciting. And mm-hmm. yeah, and um, if that was too heady or not explained eloquently enough, here's another bass and bongo breakdown. Yeah. Ah, that's amazing. That's yeah. so good. Th- that sounds like a little bit of the alternating fingers. Yeah, that's some finger style. That's some finger um, banging on that bass. Yeah, it sounds like the muting that's happening is happening with the right hand as opposed to with the left hand, which I feel like is usually what happens in slap bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so also very percussive and and short and like and very mid. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no bass or treble there. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Um, this is a better album. Yeah, exactly. At least these first two songs. Uh, it's getting late. I don't know what else to say about the rest of this album. Honestly, we could talk about. Maybe we should talk about "Below the Belt" because we definitely it's one should of talk our originals. About Do you know yeah. we've covered two songs? I know. <laughs> Do you want to at least talk about "Fame," which is the other 
song from let's the first talk about first, yeah. okay let's talk about I like that chorus pretty well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right, what do you want to say about? I thought about it was going to be a cover of the David Bowie song, uh, but it wasn't. Oh yeah, fame. Fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's uh. Let's see. Fame like to make me a name, nothing less than the best for me. Fame trading love for a name, and there's no one to blame but me. Where are you? Can't you hear me singing for you, baby? Where are you? Come on back. I need you. Won't you save me? It's it's pretty uh, abstract stuff. Um, uh, I mean, and it's I don't know yeah, some fairly but, but typical sentiments about same uh, fame. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty clear. At least maybe some of the individual moments are abstract, but I think it's about leaving behind a lover in order to pursue your career and your. Uh, and your fame and your fortune mm-hmm. and um, realizing that it's all empty and you should have just stayed with that like basic boring guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you, yeah, I mean, it really does feel like another one of those yes. jil- jilted male writer writing for a woman <laughs> to get some wish fulfillment done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should just, yeah. you should settle and never try to make anything of yourself or accomplish anything notable in any way. Just settle, yeah. just settle for a mediocre basic ass dude <laughs> um oh boy yeah uh fill space for a moment my headset is uh I, it says that i need to recharge it so fill I might, space I might lose for a second. what is yeah. this uh Say interstellar by christopher nolan i watched um oh, I, I watched the prestige recently christopher nolan film not really that into it um there were there were two plot twists in the movie one of them is a cheat, and the other one is telegraphed super hard throughout the movie. Um, so, I and, and again, like with Christopher Nolan, with a lot of his characters, they're pretty flat. The only defining things they have is like they're obsessed about one thing, and that's basically the only thing he does for characterization. So that's my Wait, mini what? little review about the Prestige, the Christopher Nolan film. Oh no, to fill I space. like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's stylishly made, uh, but. Talk about David Bowie. Yeah. It does have David Bowie in it. Um, playing Nikola Tesla. Uh, the famed car inventor. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I, think he was, I think he had emerald mines or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think he uh, was a, a, a scion of privilege in an apartheid state, I think. Um, anyway. Uh, Autumn leaves. Yep. So basis is going to work. He's going to work and going to town. Hitched up the buggy, going to town. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's another French song. She's French in us all. Um, we should talk about Am I Ever Going to Fall in Love in New York City briefly, maybe. love how brassy she is on this song she's really yeah. belting it out putting some, some lies energy here yeah <laughs> uh it's also very amusing for her to sing am i ever going to fall in love in new york city will i ever find a home so far from tennessee you know how grace jones is from tennessee tennessee yeah. jamaica that is <laughs> uh chattanooga town and <laughs> You know how every how every uh, 
uh, every city has a little Chattanooga town. <laughs> the Tennessee quarter. <laughs> Hot chicken. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fiddle tunes. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, let's talk about Below the Belt, and then we'll be done. Yeah, it sounds good. We skipped All on a Summer's Night, which is fine. Just remember This is an odd song because it's taking the below the belt rule from boxing and using it as a metaphor or not even a really a metaphor, but it's kind of about they're establishing ground rules in a relationship for the kinds of things they can do with people outside the relationship, I think, is is what it's about, right? You can do, whoops, you can hit your mic really super duper (laughs) hard. Uh, or maybe Cameron can cut that out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Depending on how awful it is to listen to. Uh, yeah, so you're allowed to kiss. You're allowed to smack some microphones around. Uh, you're allowed to do hand stuff, touching, chest. <laughs> to the microphones. To the microphones. I don't consent to any of this, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but nothing below the belt. You can't yeah. touch feet. You can't kiss feet. You can't rub feet. You can't do any of <laughs> the other swimsuit area stuff. Can't go to the no-no zone. Do you think zone. boxers have ever really, like, explored, like, punching feet? Um, um, uh, they do in tickling. some of the slash fiction that I read. Okay. Can you imagine boxer Boxing slash life. fiction? It's like McGregor, like, going to town on whatever someone else is from boxing. Sting, sting me like a bumblebee. <laughs> Bee. You didn't say bumblebee. That would have been too cute. Sting me like a bee. I get you probably have like, like a butterfly. <laughs> you probably Those have like boxing people. quotes. I I don't I don't I don't know. Uh, Muhammad Ali, other boxers that are famous. Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction. Uh, the the Cinderella Man, starring uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe. Anyway, below the belt. <laughs> below the belt. Uh, below the belt. Ex- all pain is felt from yeah. right to left. You know how that you you feel all of your pain below the belt from right, right to left? Yeah, that in very the Japanese common. style, <laughs> the from Jap- right to left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a funny thing to say. Uh, <laughs> I can go the time distance with you. I, some of these lyrics might not be accurate. Uh, just remember the rules, not below the belt. Um, no cheating, that's what I said. No hitting below the belt. Um, yeah. I don't want your macho attitude. I didn't make all the rules below the belt. <laughs> I mean, a little hints at meaning in this song. <laughs> maybe she's literally fighting a dude, right? Yeah. Maybe. Christians I mean, maybe MMA. it's completely literal. Uh, and she's asking okay. not to get punched right in the vulva or something, <laughs> or in the butt, or in the butt, or don't in punch the foot. My butt. Don't punch the butt, or in the foot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I trained hard for this night. <laughs> I trained hard for this fight. <laughs> Parentheses literal, <laughs> not to lose it. <laughs> you are stronger than I. No need to tell a lie just to prove it. Yeah. Now one okay. rematch is all you have to pay for damages you made below the belt. Huh? He didn't. He didn't. You fall know rules. when you get hit below the belt in a boxing match, you gotta fight that person again. That's my least favorite thing it. about it. <laughs> just get, just getting completely creamed right in the balls and just being like, "Oh no, I have to fight this person again." What if they what if they smack my balls around again? <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> it's a vicious vis- viscous cycle. <laughs> it's it's the cycle of uh violence, I think they call it. Um yeah, I, I This was the original this is, yeah, written by Grace Jones and Pierre Papa Diamandis. Oh, yeah, he was the... I Daddy Diamond. He wrote a lot of the... Yeah, Daddy Diamonds. Daddy, Daddy Diamonds. He's the co-writer on a lot of the last album. We also call him Zaddy Diamonds from time to time. Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what is Zaddy, anyway? It's I don't just... know. Zat you, Santa Claus? Zat you? <laughs> Zaddy you, Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, oh, that was popularized by uh, Ty Dolla Sign's 2016 song by this name. Huh. All right. Interesting. I did not know that. Not too long ago. Not I guess that's when I started ago. hearing Zaddy. I guess so. Okay. All right. Well, I'll allow it. Just no Good. below the belt. No zaddies below the belt. There's no atheists in foxholes and there's no zaddies below the belt. <laughs> what are we even doing anymore? What am I... What is happening? Hey, it's, it's just word association. Like it's a pretty great time to go to bed, huh? Probably. <laughs> yeah. I need to be honking some shoes over here. Uh, enough about Grace um, Jones and Zaddy Zymans. Hmm? Having, having a, a kid who's, you know, coming up on two years old, um, there's just some ways that we treat kids that I think we should treat adults as well as like, we, we say to them all the time, like, Oh, you're so tired. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like offensive to say an adult to that, but like if someone, if an adult said that to me and it, and yeah, I didn't think they were insulting me. It'd be like, you're right. I need to go to bed. <laughs> I would love for oh, someone to say to me, me just, oh, does honey. someone need a nap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, Oh, stinky. Sounds like someone needs to be changed. (laughs) Or are you Uh, hungry? Or are you grumpy? All those good things. Yeah, we should infantilize everyone. I I can agree with that. Well. Well, we'll be back next week with Grace Jones's final disco album, which is called Muse. Um, after that, she goes into uh, some like new wave kind of stuff, which I think is probably her more acclaimed music. Yeah, I'm excited. Probably for more successful, I would guess. Yeah, um, I think this disco shit is fun, but it's not like the best disco I've ever heard. It's not the best disco, and it's yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's not a ton of substance to a lot of these songs. Um, but until that time, until we talk about Muse next week, you can visit us online at boxset.website, email us at email at boxset.website, tweet us at Tobias Podcast, join our Discord, the link will be in the show notes. Uh, you can support us in a few ways, including uh, writing a review on iTunes, or sharing the show with people, tell them about it. Um, you can also support us even more directly by going to our uh, Patreon, support.boxset.website. You'll get access to all of our bonus materials, including a weekly mini show called What's in the Box Weekly. This week, Cameron talked about the Animorphs. All of them. All of the Animorphs. And I talked about an extremely good movie called Cabaret, which I think yeah. everyone should watch and had some thoughts about. Um, the other thing you should do is you should listen to Cameron's other podcast, Get Up in the Cool. I say it every week. It's truer and truer every week. Uh, they just released the Christmas episode recently with yeah. uh, the hog-eyed man. Um, yeah. Get up in the Yule. Get up in the Yule. It's a delight. It's great. Everyone yeah. goes. Did you it. hesitate saying hog-eyed man because it's probably like problematic somehow to say that? Uh, no, I was deciding if I was going to say it right or wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said it kind of wrong. I, you yeah. should tell the hog-eyed man that they should drop the the. It's cleaner. Uh, but yeah, go check that out uh, at getupinthecool.biz.pizza. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, folks. <laughs> dot porn. <laughs> Ooh, spicy. Is, it, is that an actual? Can you get a dot porn domain? I doubt it. Huh? They're, they're, those cowards dot business. at the I can would never allow it. Let me search Wikipedia. Dot porn. Oh, there is a dot .xxx? There it is. There you go. Get up in the cool dot .xxx. Let's see if it's available. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, in 2005, the Bush administration pressured ICANN not to adopt a dot .xxx because of increasing concerns about the impact of pornography on families and children. That's so... <laughs> that's nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> We're doing... We're doing fine out here without the dot .xxx. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. A- apparently, the, in t- 2012, the ICM registry announced their applications for additional sponsored top-level domains .sex, .porn, and .adult. Wow, .adult. .adult. That's so funny. Like, the way that adult is used as a synonym for, like, porn or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we do. That's adults. It's constantly just banging each other. Yeah. (laughs) 
Adults bang, everyone. All right. Well, yeah. until next week, I've been Nathan Hunt, and I'm going to stand my ground in love. <laughs> I've been Cameron Duet, and is that a you, Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs>